Welcome to They Coined It. I'm Roberta Lip. I'm Dan Jasper. And we cover Mad Men episode by episode. But today it's They Joined It. And welcome to that. And we have lots of people with us, uh, members of our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash they coined it pod. And we're here to talk about season six. Yeah, thank you everybody for being here. Yeah, everybody is clapping and they're uproarious. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> truly, the crowds truly. Crowds are going wild. Now we're we're lucky and very thankful to have a terrific fan base who is with us to talk about season six. This is like the um this is like the Korean War of Mad Men episodes. Like everybody kind of forget like you couldn't if you asked a hundred Mad Men fans, even strong Mad Men fans like we all are. Like what happens in season six or what's the defining sort of nothing rings out, right? There's no, maybe I'm speaking too much for everyone, but I think it's one of those seasons that just is a little amorphous and undefined. And yet, spoiler alert, it's kind of secretly now one of my favorite seasons. It's I enjoyed this rewatch so much. Let's do a quick go around just real quick. What's your favorite (laughs) season if you have one? Four. Four for me. Five. Five. Three. Wow. Wow. Five, because it's the funniest. Amazing. (laughs) So nobody even really, we had one three in there, but nobody season one. I'm a season one. I think I'm I'm a season one. I'm a a loyalist. What can I, I don't know. It's like my first baby or something, which I don't know (laughs) what that means either way. So forget it. All right. Um, Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought so many later seasons. Right, Roberta? Wouldn't you have expected some? I just think there's a lot of there's a, I was like four, 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 four. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's interesting. I think they're all better on we on rewatch. First of all, just just in general, and this one probably the most so. I was really not. I had zero enthusiasm going into. All right, what are we going to be talking about? You know, for a few weeks, and it was really good. It was really good. I had a harder time with it than than uh, I had a harder time. And I think I expressed that throughout is, mm-hmm. you know, just being like, just ugh. I, it was like there was very little ability to root for Don and yes. everything else was more dispersed. It was it wasn't. And I think all of that is by design. I think all of that was was the construct of the season. But right. it was right. harder for me to pull my heart along. Well, it was almost yeah. it was almost like the theme of the season was there is no theme because I think there were a few things impacting that. First is you've got 1968 as kind of the major backdrop of this season. So it's easy, almost too easy to sort of point everything back and being like, oh, it's a parallel to 1968 or more broadly, it's a parallel to Vietnam or whatever else was going on where you're tying these things in. So I think as a viewer, that almost becomes a crutch. I I felt that more than other seasons that that weight of what year we're in suddenly uh, impacted the way I interpreted things. But the other thing is I was going through sort of the main stories of the season, which just broadly speaking, the merger, obviously, between SCDP and CGC, uh, even though it happens late in the season, Sally's discovery of Don and Sylvia is a major theme. What happens to the those though the the two firms and the camps and the culture clash of of the two accounts and the aftermath is is a big theme um the seller's remorse of the gm win is mm. is constant uh bob benson and what you know what goes on with him and and ultimately with dorothy campbell it takes a few episodes ted and peggy's relationship growing and then ultimately ted banishing himself to California. Well, and and she's still with Abe at the beginning. So yeah, there's a whole, I mean, not just the beginning, like she and Abe are fine at the beginning and then they move and then there's the flirtation takes over. So it's like that really uh, shifts. Well, yeah. And they're linked, obviously Peggy and Abe just are too different and and they break up uh, as a theme. And then Don and Megan just growing apart. There was no kind of, I mean, he was already, in an affair with Sylvia when we start the season. So th- that them growing apart is obviously a carryover from season five, which, which a lot of this really started. Um, and Don, you know, the, the, the thing that probably has more weight than anything is Don's mental state, which is obviously by the end of the season, you know, that, that 
the weight of his secrets really demolishes his his mental state and he, we get the 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 suspension at the very end but these these aren't it's not like one of those has i think tremendous amount more weight than the others maybe you could make an argument here or there maybe that's a good discussion point for everybody but to me it felt almost like all these balls in the air and they all weighed the same had the same weight to them um which makes the season itself tough to classify the other key players that you didn't list i mean same like so you have fat betty become thin betty like fat following the the teenager into the city betty becomes sad because her teenager left betty uh but a lot she definitely got her groove back um, yes that's true you have roger just getting lonelier he loses his mother at the beginning and you know ends up becoming a father at the end again i mm-hmm. guess um Pete, you mentioned Joan uh, ends up nailing a client. We never find that out until you go see a Times talk with Matthew Weiner. <laughs> I mean, this was a Joan light season overall, right? There was hardly any real Joan action. No, a lot say. of Joan was in, I, I mentioned it in the episode, but actually I'm thinking of it differently now. A lot of Joan's story was in relation, was in relationship to men. Because the other way way she really came in was like how she stood her ground with Don uh-huh. early earlier, and then again yeah. at the end. Yeah, so they gave her that Avon really- episode, but it, that kind of didn't carry through very much. You know, so yeah, Joan. No, Light. It, it, this all supports what you're saying. Yeah, like, everybody was a little scattered. It also felt like like a lot of it was, and I kind of look at it as I guess it was a two year or a three year contract that. Weiner had to finish the show. So that's five, five, six, six, and seven. And a lot of this was table setting. And I felt like we were just gearing up for season seven more than had a season six beginning, middle and end per se. Um, So it it felt a little transitionary for me in that way um, because everything is kind of chess pieces. Everything's moving around, getting into position. We've got the agency merger. We got Peggy ping ponging back and forth. And then actually, Look, she's running New York at the end of the season, but it you wouldn't it's it doesn't stand out. Very quiet. Don um, is fired fired ish and and it's quiet. Yep. Uh, Pete and Trudy Bake break up and it's quiet. That's right. Um who's going to California, Don, even though that was just Don a one episode Megan thing. Don't break up, but it's all quiet. Yep. 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 And then there's a leadership on the Chevy account, which is an, everything's chess pieces. People are just moving in different squares. Um but to me, you know, we've all seen the whole show. I'm sure that to me, it's just it's just setting up for for what the chessboard needs to look like going into season seven. I didn't get a feel other than Don getting the suspension. Um, that's kind of it for the big the big moment for season seven as a viewer. But and I said this a number of times as we were watching to me, that didn't diminish the season at all because it made me appreciate the craft of how they put it all together all the more. I was less concerned with like when you're watching it week to week and you turn on AMC and you're going to watch the show in those instances, for me as a viewer, I'm always thinking, all right, what happens next? What, where does this go? How does this episode end? Where are we? So it's all this plot driven uh, concerns Uh, rewatching it and really not, I'm not invested in that way of what happens this week. It's just, we watch it. We do the episode. We talk about it. Though? My God. Who yeah. It's totally show different. Hands. Who watched it in real time? Anybody? Yeah. Back bunch in, of people, right? Yeah. So, this was back in 12 already. 13. Right. I'm sorry. Hands again. I didn't, I didn't see who a bunch just, yeah. Almost everybody. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, uh, so it's a very different experience as a viewer this time my way, but I think it's better because I didn't, you know, from the plot standpoint, for all those reasons I just mentioned, there's no like weight or center of gravity the way season one or two or three or four really had. And I think the the series kind of went away from that in five, six and seven, uh, in my opinion, that uh, changed the viewing experience. But it makes the rewatch even better. That's just that's just a weird thing that that I noticed individually. Uh huh. Okay, now your turn, Roberta. You talk. <laughs> no, I mean I, like I said, it was it was always the hardest season. I mean, you know, watching watching Don just destroy himself and every 
everybody around him um, and everybody getting, like I said, in the, you know, getting sick of his shit. I mean, including Sylvia, right? It's so funny. By the end, totally. I always, I, I fully forgot about Sylvia by the last episode, you know, <laughs> yeah. except for, except for where, except for Sally. Right. Like, I, I didn't forget about that event, but like, she just now, I mean, she, and Linda Cardellini was terrific. She was amazing. Um, and there's two it, moments. Never, it was, it was never, it's just getting so much more obvious that when Don falls in whatever Don falls in, it has nothing to do with the person. Hmm. They are, they are not required. Right. right. It's whatever woman is next. They're a prop in whatever will. part of his life he's going through. Right. Yeah. But, and whatever. But, we'll definitely see that in season seven when <clears> the entire fan base freaked the fuck out over the next one. But, um, but what? But, what, it, it, but that's what I, I found her forgettable, not because of her personality, her character, her, her, her performance, yeah. but be, she's irrelevant. I think uh, that's an interesting point. And if you, I, I can't quite, can't quite track it. I'm not, I'm not going that deep with this. But I do think that Don's other, uh, you know, paramours, her his other his other affairs uh, through the through the seasons, they've always been way more showy and flashy. You know, even even Rachel Mencken was like this, you know, uber accomplished woman and and had all these uh, this strong personality that came with her, and Bobby Barrett and even. Uh, Abigail, you could say. I wouldn't, uh, Suzanne. Suzanne. Oh, well, well, that, Spencer, was her, that was her real name. I forgot. Um, <laughs> um, I wouldn't call Suzanne flashy. Not but flashy. He, but, but he was definitely drawn to the aesthetic, I the, thought a powerful aesthetic. That Sylvia as a character, the fact that she's right downstairs, she's a, she's married to the friend and the family. It was all extremely low key, but in a way that was really different. I remember when I think of that affair, unlike all the other ones, I can think of two things come to mind for me. One is the first time we see them in bed together. When she says, I know I want, I I don't I want to stop doing this. I know to me, that was just an amazing thing for that character to say. So that always stayed with me. And when she breaks up with them, when she's the adult in the hotel room and says, uh, and breaks it off and is sort of like, what are we doing here? This is this is crazy. We're done um, at the Sherry Netherland. Uh, that's the other moment when she kind of says, all right, I'm going to call an end to this. I'm going to be the referee with the whistle here, <laughs> calling <laughs> calling the play dead. Um, so but but those are so non flashy things. Those are so understated things for the character to do. Um, I think it just proves that it was this. I, I don't know. It took an amazing actor to to pull that off, I think. Yeah, and just to to underline the obvious about the fact that she was in the building, we've been saying this since Suzanne. Don is getting riskier and riskier, sloppier and sloppier, right. you know, bringing it closer and closer to home. And look what happened. Like what happened was the absolute worst <laughs> well, version that's... of what the risk was. Well, that was the... Uh... Again, the show's at its best when you don't know that it's putting the pieces in place, when you don't know the gun is being loaded. Right. And having the the affair with the married woman one floor below is not an obvious loaded gun. I mean, it is in retrospect, of course, but it's like, oh, how could this not have happened? <laughs> this was right. the most inevitable, inevitable. But, th- but it was not inevitable ever. that it would be Sally. No, it not was at an all. inevitable that they would get caught. But if you're but writing a show, it, do you want to make shit happen, man? You make it no, Sally. Just, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. But I just it was it, perfect. It, oof, I mean, I it, it was just the worst. All it right, enough out of us. Let's uh, let's do this. So we're gonna open up. Let's have a conversation. Any questions, etc. Uh, points to be made. It's all good. Um, you can talk as way, much as you like along the along the 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 parameters we we discussed. By the way, Jasper, uh the overwhelming consensus out there in social media is that Bob really didn't know. Bob really was surprised that look at the faces. Look at the faces that Bob yeah. was was genuinely surprised that Manolo took it where he took it. We can start with that since you're putting uh, a putting a Oh, I just did. Pin on that bubble. Out there. What do you what so so let's but let's just let's just form the question. 
What's everyone's feeling about Bob Benson with regard to whether he knew whether, whether he was setting in motion specifically Dorothy's untimely death? Did he know that's what he was after when he got Manolo back back involved? But then in general, we want to know what you think are the <laughs> themes of season six. Either or. <laughs> or both. Who's up? Bruce for Carlson. It. I think that um, he, when Bob calls Manello, that is a, that is a moment where, because it's a private conversation with a person that he's friendly with, we're seeing uh, unusually Bob out of a little bit out of control, a little bit emotional, and he makes the call and says, you know, this guy's causing me uh, grief at work, you know, take care of him. And if you, you could exaggerate that and make that the evidence for oh maybe he he planned uh pete's mother's death but i I don't think it's likely i think that's just a a call i cause him some trouble please you know i want this guy out of the you know he's my rival that's basically it and then when the event happens um i believe that uh i don't i don't think there's enough in the show to to say bob knew it doesn't seem to be in character um he does express in the elevator that uh, I knew nothing of this. And also like, you're, you're being irrational, um, you're being hysterical. And I do believe that's his reaction. Now, Bob's a con man. So of course we can always take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> we like to call is, him George Santos around these parts. He's very, <laughs> I mean, very applicable because you know, it's the, the resume and, and everything. <clears> but but the, even using that example, for instance, so like the Santos like or the, the resume liar, does he turn to a killer? Um, yeah, all of those things. And then if really I think Bob is done, you know, it, that there, there's hints of that he's done in embryo and uh, does Don kill? It seems a little. So I think this was something that got way out of control. Maybe run off and marry. Bob may knew may have known that was happening but not throw throw her overboard would have been a little it got out of control even for bob in my opinion so quick follow up on that using it yeah so quick (laughs) follow up on that is he already had the plan in place to get he said pete's arrival he's a rival for the gm uh job that um he already had a way of getting I i don't know if it was planned or not you know putting him in the camaro and letting him embarrass himself and he was booted but that took care of it. You could have had that without getting Manolo back involved, right? Uh, I don't know if he thought of it yet. I mean, it's, that's that's certainly true. I think, again, I think the Manolo call uh, in the quality of mercy, I think that's emotional on Bob's part. I, I don't yeah. think that's entirely like he's just reacting. Thinking that Pete then, might still might still put the knife in him. Well, oh, yeah. You know, Pete, when I did this, when I did the rewatch, it occurred to me because it didn't at first. Pete's speech about I'm not going to use this against you is very unconvincing to me. If I was a con artist, I, right. I would, I, you know, and that was really the second That's a watch. good point. To the audience, it's, it's a callback to the Don incident. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and unlike Don, I'm not sure Bob is settled with that, that he's going to be his friend now. And then when you get into the elevator, and I think here's where I think if you don't think that Bob believes or is surprised by hearing that is friend threw the mother overboard it's like pete being hysterical he's coming this is some trick he's coming at me with something some kind of play created in his head i'm going after him i'm (laughs) executing plan a and that's my read on it of course interesting other bob thoughts i think that's really good i think uh he might not even believe that she's dead like he might think that pete is just freaking out yeah we don't because they can't it's not like they're emailing or, or even calling from the boat, you know? So you know, well, he's not going to have he any contact. Have, yeah. There's no Manello information. If he's mm-hmm. on the run, I mean, it, it's possible. Oh. That's it. You know? Uh, so she's at sea with father. Any other Bob thoughts for the season? Yes. Go ahead, Veronica. How much do we think maybe he thought he was solving a problem getting rid of the mother, like for Pete to some degree, I don't know. Like getting rid of her feels like I was rewatching the season again. Like a gift? 
Yeah. Like watching all the run up, like he missed that meeting up in like upstate because he couldn't get on the flight because the mother left her tea kettle on. Like he, it's been causing him problems at work. So like how much do we think potentially that like it could be a problem solver rather than revenge? Two birds with one stone, you're saying. (laughs) I like it. I think if I think if I thought Bob was more involved, I might actually buy that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not convinced I think turns- Bob was involved either. But I mean, like it does solve his problem. So if he does, does it, really, like it does solve a lot for Pete. Yeah, you thought it killing my really- mother would damage me. You've only helped me, right? <laughs> right. Strangely, <laughs> all right. Only on Mad Men. I'll I'll give it that for sure. Anything else? Let, let let's let's obviously Bob comments welcome, but. Season six comments, other other perspectives here and thoughts. Yeah, I I just keep thinking about Don as this survivor of childhood sexual trauma and abuse. And I think using that building, he's sort of created his own whorehouse. Like he has Megan and Sylvia in the building. And I think this is why we see the like we see the flashbacks intensifying, the drinking getting worse. And at that end, like when he loses the relationship with his daughter and then he has the moment of vulnerability in the office that flops, um, completely shits the bed with Hershey's pitch. And in a way that like today, we respect people for being vulnerable and putting out there like memoirs, sell like hotcakes, but back then, no. And then the last piece of that is he, I think, he takes Sally to this I mean the other kids are there but he takes Sally to the house where he grew up and I think that's realizing that the honesty didn't work in the office but let me try it to get this relationship back with my daughter Um, which every time he's dishonest with his daughter throughout the seasons like he's ashamed of it especially going back to that country club um, where all the veterans are there so that's why I was thinking about what um, Roberto was saying in the last episode where it's so heartbreaking and you actually feel for Don. But like Dan's saying, you know, like other people say, it's all laid out along the way, but you don't see it until the rewatch when you can read it like a novel. And that's the key thing for me is we see Don being honest for the first time, which sucks in advertising, but which works for relationships with your kids. That's so that's so great. That's so great. And I I keep thinking of our discussion about that episode, Don was like, Don was hurtling toward the truth. He was unstoppable toward the truth as much as he's been unstoppable in cover-ups and, and, and mystery and lies and all the rest at, at concealing his identity here. He was compelled to be honest about his identity. And obviously <laughs> not neither swing of the pendulum is really healthy. <laughs> You've got to kind of maintain a little bit of a public persona and public face and private face, which is okay. Um, he's he's out of whack, uh, out of balance in his in his entire life with that. But I agree, it was he was so compelled to be truthful with Sally, but also at work, unfortunately, uh this season, or th- that was where he got to this season was finally 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 and you know maybe the pendulum sits somewhere else by next season and i think the gram the grandma ida uh thing i mean it definitely affected sally with the the bigger dawning of who is this man you know um and and he he was aware of that as well like he he's seeing the he is connected the the lies with the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that some stranger can come into the house and tell an outrageous bold faced lie and she couldn't tell the truth from it or not. You know, like on the face of it, it's ridiculous. And yet she knew just enough to convince Sally, who's even though she's still a child, she's no dope. And uh, if she knew her father better, it wouldn't have flown. But in this case, it did, which I think was part of the point, right? But I think what you just said is interesting, where she's been fed so many lies as the truth. Her lidar is a little off. Yeah. Especially when when it comes to her dad. Yeah. You know, she didn't come in and say, I'm I'm, I'm your mother's friend or Megan's friend. She came in and said, I'm your 
I'm your dad's relative. And she was like, huh? Well, I guess maybe <laughs> it's weird. Jenna and Greenpoint. <laughs> yeah. um, so what Jennifer just said helped click into play something for me when I was thinking about the themes of season six. I feel like the most obvious that you, that, or as, as you said, Dan, like the kind of clearest for us is that it's like 1968, it's Vietnam. We're supposed to feel that chaos and that um, violence. And then we have the themes of heaven and hell introduced by uh, primarily hell, but also little sprinklings of like looking for your angels, looking for something to grab onto um, and what we associate with, you know, heaven or wondering where you are. Don's quoting uh, Dante in the opener. Yeah. Right. And, (laughs) but there was this undeniable for me, like childhood, the notion of like having your childhood taken away. Um, and, um, yeah. And childhood trauma that I couldn't quite parse into like a full theme and something about what Jennifer was just saying is, um, clicked something into place for me, which is like, maybe some of what we're seeing is uh, in this season is Don like wanting punishment for his crimes in some way, in some, some subconscious way. He wants like consequences for everything he's been doing and how he's been living his life. Punishment. Yeah. Yeah. He wants punishment. And in some way it's also like playing through his childhood trauma where he was punished, not for his sins, but for the sins of his parent. And then I think then seeing that his parents um, and then seeing that, I mean, and children are kind of the ultimate consequence too. So there's this sort of, I, I don't have a complete thought here, but there is some sort of like nebulous kind of commentary on how not only that we play through our childhood traumas or that like that um, things can trigger those childhood traumas, but that you might be in some way seeking it to convince yourself like that that was the thing that was supposed to happen. For well, you. it's also the religion thread through all of this, right? Repentance, guilt, uh, 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 what is the word I'm thinking of? Uh, salvation, you know, all of this comes with, I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm going to pay for it. And then you're, 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 um, you're cleansed, right? We've seen that so many times. So that all factors in. Veronica, you've had your hand up. Yeah. So two things really quickly, as fast as I can say that. Um, first, I think there's something to, I know you both talk a lot about the flashbacks and like have mixed feelings on them. Um, I think it's interesting to kind of look at them cross episodes because I went back and I saw, I was rewatching the episode where it shows Don when he's younger, like peeking in at the brothel, like looking in the door. And that to me was an instant. That's a parallel to Sally catching him. So I think there's something like to playing out Sally's experiencing the same things that Don was experiencing, even though he knew. And like, I think the flashbacks show how he can recognize that they were potentially pretty harmful to him. Um, But I, there's something to me in the flashbacks being more closely linked to Sally than necessarily just Don and looking to how those two things are linked, I think are pretty, might be pretty fruitful. I haven't thought too deeply about it. I um, love and that idea. Um, one more other kind of note, like the book, I, the book Don takes from Sylvia, sorry, going a little left here. Um, and he makes the comment, like he's taking something interesting or whatever. I'm taking the interesting thing with him, which then reminded me of when he said the same thing to Faye, I'm taking everything interesting with Anyway, that was it. But I think there's the, to the Sally and Don parallel, I think that maybe looking at it to be Don reflecting current Don might be not the only way to look at it and look at it, how it's reflecting in Sally's experience. What was the Faye thing? Remind me. Oh, our listeners. Totally not about me. Says like in the, he was like lunch hookup. I think it's the first time they show them like having sex on lunch or something in the hotel. Um, He like goes back to work and says, I'm taking everything interesting with me. she asks if she can stay and get ready after he leaves and it's his apartment he's like sure i'm taking everything interesting with me <laughs> what it's like a throwaway line that ends up being so that's great Love great don line awesome Love awesome pull, veronica aaron you have your hand up aaron and, and justin yeah i wanted to pick up with the kind of childhood trauma thing especially to veronica's recent point about um that sally's experience of it all too which is really interesting to me um 
coming from the crash, which I know you two love, um, the Don's searching and searching kind of through this labyrinth that gets really set up in the first episode, this kind of, you know, doors and hallways and everything. And he's searching and searching. And he says, you know, when we find it, it's, it's bigger than a car. This is bigger than anything. And what he's talking about is an, an old ad from the fifties that's showing a mom taking care of a kid. So, I mean, he, he's conflating all of this meaning and searching with the essence of like this real basic attachment childhood need. And so talking about that from Sally's point of view, as Veronica mentioned, I think that's in, in his mind somewhere too. Sally's not getting it. I didn't get it. What is it? He doesn't even understand it. Mm. Um, I wanted to share one other thought too, kind of coming back when Jenna mentioned um, religion and guilt and everything. Um, the, the, the Hershey's scene to me seems like a sort of confession. I know Dan, you, you had mentioned it's like he's kind of bumbling his way there and he doesn't understand what's going on and it just pours out. And, and I think that's right. But I think there's also, if we look at what is Don Draper's religion, it's, it's consumerism, it's advertising. I mean, Dick's got the old Jesus stuff and who knows what's back there. But for Don Draper, like a lot of people in modern life, that's our, that's what we believe in is consumerism and all this. And so it would make sense that the office is what he turns into a confessional booth. Oh, wow. Not intentionally, but it, again, as you said, Dan, he just kind of goes in that direction and that's where it comes out. It's amazing. You know, as we talk about Don's trauma, I just can't, I feel like we should probably post this in the off season, like a, like an encore posting of uh, our conversation with Melinda McGraw, because she nails this about Don going back to season, whatever it is, season two. Too. That this, you know, in her own preparation, that's what I love is because I'd never heard it anywhere until we talked with her, that her preparation for joining the show and these characters and her own character was about trauma and and um, uh, addiction and all of these, you know, things that are kind of either immediately below the surface or way below the surface, even just by, I mean, she, she only had season one to go on at that point. And, uh, that kind of preparation and insight and insight to me uh, not only is, is a credit to her and her performance, but it says so much about what's even to come, which she couldn't have known that this is that those, those topics of, of addiction and, and, and recovery and all that are, are, are all there. It's just amazing. So I just, you know, that everyone should go back and listen to it. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll post it again. Maybe we'll post it again. Uh, and consumerism as his religion might end him up on a mountaintop. That's amazing. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Oh, awesome. I stick a pin in that. Jennifer, what are your thoughts? Yeah, just going back to that oatmeal ad too, it got me thinking about how the first time besides the suitcase that we see Don so drunk that he's puking is at Roger's mother's funeral. And is it that the thought that Roger had this loving mother that he never brings up that like Don is so conflicted about that because that's what he never had, that he just drinks to the point where he's the most drunk we've ever seen him at that funeral. And then he starts asking Jonesy, what was it like to die? We know he's suicidal. And then the fact of Roger's funeral dealing with that, I think it make it drives him over the edge completely. Wow. Really good. So true. Marianne. Marianne. Um, so this is, I'm, I'm kind of posing this as a question to the group because I too was really taken with Don's religion being consumerism. And this is something that I really noticed this time when he obviously like we don't see him punch the minister he goes into flashback mode you talked in the episode about the thing that he remembers from the flashback of the only unpardonable sin is believing that you can't be forgiven but what the minister actually says to him that seems to trigger him is not a true believer in the bunch so i wonder 
what do we think it is about that particular thing that sets him off? Um, full disclosure, I, um, I recently switched therapists and I'm like working specifically on being raised in evangelical Christianity. So I'm like really parsing through some of this stuff myself. Like it's like, and we're, there's a lot to figure out. Like it's why so many people were like so deeply terrified of left behind. It's because like, I don't know if I believe hard enough and I don't know if the people that I love in this life believe hard enough. And like, this is really, really scary stuff. But then if we take that to Don's actual religion being consumerism, like, is he a, is he afraid that he's not doing his job like well enough? Like, or is he going to lose all of his customers? Like where, where does this all eventually lead out to? And this might be too esoteric. So apologies. <laughs> it also just now made me wonder, I don't know why I never thought of this before. Why is Matthew Weiner, a Jew, so like enchanted by this, that it carries through the entire time. And I just a shout out to your, hair original musical poster on your wall behind you it's one of my favorites back to you all and very fitting for this season <laughs> totally mary can you give the context again uh what the, the thing that, that you repeated that the minister said that set him off what was it again and what was the context of it I'm not just... a true believer in the bunch yeah because because he's going off to the other guy don sticks his nose in it and and he's like <laughs> Where, where's Jesus now? Like, you know, Kennedy, Martin Luther King. I don't know if he says another name, but he says Vietnam. And I think he says for Christ's sake or something. And the minister is like, well, you know, not a true believer in the bunch, which a, like if, if that meant it, and it goes to a whole conversation about fake Christians and whatever that I don't. Meaning what into, that MLK and JFK were not true Christians. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Deserved, it. Deserved it. Yeah. Right. I know this is the answer, but this, I was wondering about this exact same moment that, that as much as yes, it's like Don's just drunk. And so he can't control his anger. And so he punches a minister. We can take it as that, but I'm like, no, I, that thing, because of the cut, we're led to believe that thing set him off. And I had the same question. And what I came upon at least is it's worth noting that, but this is a very, um, 2023 lens, but that MLK Jr. And JFK, um, were both adulterers and like, so is Don. And so I'm like, that is that maybe like he takes it in some way or my hap, my, my theory on it is that he almost takes it as he's, he's saying, you're not a true believer either. Um, and feels personally threatened, like, you know, that this guy is. And I think at a moment when he's wrestling with good and evil is the good beating the bad um, that someone's t basically telling him that it's like, you know, like it's adultery, Don. It's, you know, it, it's, these are not, these are sinners. Jenna, when you say through a 2023 lens, <clears throat> are you saying because we know in 2023 that MLK and JFK were adulterers, but no, that wasn't necessarily common knowledge in 68? Maybe not. I don't, I don't know. Not I, about MLK. The JFK was not, part was probably not, was, but not the MLK. Com, it was not common knowledge. About, right. I, so you I, would I never. I wonder about a religious preacher, though, in, in giving himself the um confidence to disqualify those individuals you know would use that it's definitely something that fbi hoover was using on the back and how much of that got impl you know but this this goes a little bit i mean yeah it would go a little bit far um i really think the whole point of 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 that scene and the whole if there is a theme to this series that we talked about hell Descent to Hell, you start with Dante. And uh, and a real quick note, because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to go too far with it to say the season's Dante Inferno, or that Matt Weiner follows a, uh, a literature text reference exactly, but Don does commit all the sins in Dante's <laughs> Inferno, and violence is the one box unchecked. Oh, um, so good. You get and limbo and lust. That's the thing that really uh, links me to the. To, you think about the first eight minutes where he doesn't say anything. He's in limbo. Oh wow! And then there's lust by the second doorway episode. Well, there's so lust every nine minutes throughout the season. But I hate to simplify that so much. I really think it's a flavor. Uh, that's what I. I don't think like if if all we said was oh, you know, season six is Dante's Inferno. It, it would be way too simple. 
for Mad Men, but it's no, I love that flavor. I it's a soup that. ingredient. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's it's that's great. All right, let's go to Aaron, then Veronica, then Brea. So um, the thing that I really realized um, this last time watching this season that kind of coincided with everything everybody else has been saying is um, you have that, you know, Don's in Hawaii. He doesn't speak for however long it was in that first episode. I, I kind of took that once I watched it and then reflected back on it as him kind of you know, being removed from New York, being removed from his agency for a little while, which, you know, seldom happens throughout the show. And, and he's not saying anything. So he's meditating. He's, he's kind of thinking inward. He's, he's reading and he's, you know, kind of connecting his own life to this, this very powerful book that he's reading. And then he meets, you know, in, in the bar. And that's the first conversation he has. So coming out of that meditative state where he's on the beach, you know, not saying anything, to then going and talking to somebody who's in the war, I think, at least for me, the way that I took it was that's him kind of relating himself back to where he was when he was in Korea. And then he comes back to New York and like he does in so many of his other ads, he relates his own life to that ad. And what's what's the ad campaign that he gives him? It's the jumping off point. And so that's him, this jumping off point of him starting this journey, which really I think is the, the true theme of season six. It's him finally being ready and, and semi-comfortable. He's, he's fighting with it the whole time of like, you know, I've got this person that was, you know, in the Korean War that had a rough childhood. Those are all the themes. I'm, I'm ready to try to show that to the people around me who I'm, I'm you know, cl- as close to anybody in my life I am with like these are the people around me I got to start showing them that why I am the way I am and then I think it just finally boils over with the Hershey's thing and then with the Sally thing and but for me you know that was all teed up so well in that first episode and then it just pours through the rest of the season wow thanks Justin very cool um I was gonna bring up um really Great point, um, Justin. And I think similarly, I think this season is like an integration of Don's past and present. And I think he's been struggling with that since he, since it's been clear that he's told Megan about his past, because there's like this, I think we're getting maybe not more flashbacks, but you're getting the flashbacks in season six. You're getting him kind of grappling with keeping, like bringing things home with him. He's moved back to New York. He doesn't live in the suburbs anymore. I think there's a piece of that and the reflection of Pete and who I also, I'm a Pete apologist. I'm sorry. Um, there's a reflection of that. I think Eric just left <laughs> in the pair. You can only have one of those at a time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. They coordinated. I'm pretty sure. Yes. The parallels of them both having affairs early in the season. I think it's episode three, maybe Um, they're both having these affairs and Pete's with his neighbor. And Don also has an affair with his neighbor, but like, there's just some kind of level of, and then he says something, Pete says to him like, Oh, you can use my apartment. And Don's like, I live in the city, Pete. So I think there's some level of like Don integrating his past and with his present that feels complicated here. And then really culminates at the end in the Hershey's pitch. Um, And then that, that essentially moves him out of the advertising space, which is, as we've discussed, like his literal religion. Um, I also think I would be curious what other people thought of this because I haven't like fully stewed on it, but this scene, this is again on the religion point, the scene where Sylvia, he, Don is, I think it's episode five, Don, like it touches her cross that she's wearing her necklace. And he's like, oh, do you get like, take this off? And she says, no. Um, And he said, like, it means something to you. It doesn't mean anything to him. And he says like, oh, do you like trying to be all hot? Like, when you get on your knees and pray for forgiveness? She's like, no, I pray for you. And I think that the level of like, I don't know, there's something in that. And like, I'm thinking also about the, where he says like Jesus, he lives in your heart or he doesn't earlier in the series. And I think he has a lot of respect for religion and is looking for his own connection to it and is trying to integrate those things from his past into his current. Well, I think he knows what it means to people. Like he, he, yeah. he, he almost sees it from the outside in that, in that way. Um, I'm just, I'm interpreting what you're saying, but, yeah. but that that's, that's my take is always that he can, 
he's like, man, this religion thing, people really seem to be into it. <laughs> you know, yes. not me. Not, I'm on the I'm on the outside, but like it seems important to people. Connection to feel as strong as that. And the only thing that is is his work. And this kind of gets back to the point that you both have talked about before. Is like, I just want to work. I just want to do the work. I don't want to like deal with all the politics of this business. I want to do this work. And mm-hmm. I think there's something, I don't know. I don't know. Well, Sylvia breaks my heart every minute that she's on the screen. Because I was thinking about what you said about, I forgot about that line about, no, I pray for you. That's just, I, God. You just said the word political. I just wanted to throw, this is a totally huh. tangential to that, not tangent. This is a non sequitur. <laughs> um, but it was back to the too. line about, back to the line about the, uh, of the guy in the bar, of the preacher in the bar. And part of what struck me uh, about the weirdness of that that was the line to set it off is that Don has been so apolitical and it's these two vote. political figures. I mean, MLK, not technically, but whatever. It's, 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 so I just, I just, of note, he doesn't vote. He's got a little, I mean, he got a little more interested in it. You saw this season from what he's mm-hmm. watching on TV, but um, that it would be a trigger almost seemed a little poser-ish mm-hmm. because, because I don't know what it really means to him internally. And then that back to the religion, I think, I think, I think a part of Don still craves the religion or does or doesn't disrespect it as much as he thinks he does. I think he's drawn to it. You know, I would explore uh, his relationship with Arnie in this context. And the joke way to would say it is that he he does have a God. It's Arnie in this in the season, but it's not I don't go that far. But he worships um, and um, but he, he asks some questions like what's it like to have a life in your hand? He seems to explore it through in that way he's exploring something he's looking for something it may not be straight I think up he's, i think he sees arnie as a genuine um as an authentic uh version of himself he he knows he's a phony yeah. he knows he's a phony you yeah. can't fake being a great heart surgeon so i think he sees arnie as like the genuine article which he isn't it's, it's the contrast to himself so he's yeah. kind of drawn to this guy of like you know it's like uh george costanza said you know i always wanted to pretend to be an architect <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to pretend to be something. I'd be something interesting. I kind of feel there's a touch of that with Don and Arnie that he's he he's sort of like, yeah, you're not you're not pulling one over on the world the way I think I am. And he he he's just I think he's enthralled with that. It's such a great point you make, Bruce. And if you bring it to the fight scene, the guy insults JFK, Martin Luther King, like two people who stood for something and aren't phonies and um I guess Vietnam, I don't know how they amorphized that, but whatever. Uh, and then he punches them. So there, there could be something there, like he's taking a stand. It's not really a conventional political, um, you know, when he admits his politics to Megan in, uh, I think it's the um, uh, Tale of Two Cities. He says he's going to vote for Humphrey or he sort of favors Humphrey. That's a very neutral choice in 1968. So Don isn't really revealing much there. That would be like a very basic. Right. Um, Interesting. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise anyone. So it's not it's not like a a, a stand would be McGovern or, uh, you know, one of those True. or uh, the other uh, Kennedy or something like that. Or Interesting. Ray, your hand must be tired. <laughs> it's not tired, don't we? Um, yeah, I don't think. Personally, that Don was necessarily triggered by what the preacher said. I think that was just another example of the Archibald Whitman behavior where he just sort of gets belligerent. And because something everyone's talking about, you know, Don's childhood trauma, you know, as it's it's really difficult to watch season six because we watch him sort of descend into that. And, you know, it can be hard to watch depending on what you yourself have been through in your life. But one common thing that you see is that victims start to act like they're abusers. And so more and more throughout the season, we see Don sort of taking on more and more of these traits of his father. Because when we think about the night of his conception, who was Don's dad? He was the drunk dude that showed up and didn't even have enough money to pay for a condom. So, you know, Don Mm. is really sort of 
he probably to, to him probably the worst thing in the world would be to end up like his father and that's why because he's unable to sort of face that denial head on he's becoming it and I I remember when the show was coming out I really disliked season six and I think I even took a break from watching Mad Men because of it but now when I watch it a little bit older, it is really fascinating. Totally agree with Dan. Linda uh, Cardinelli is fantastic as Sylvia. I think she's one of my faves uh, guest characters on Mad Men because she just plays the hell out of that role. And the last thing I wanted to say is um, Dawn's relationship with her husband. Uh, what's his name again? Arnie. Arnie. So my, my dad is a heart surgeon, actually. He's a bald heart surgeon, just like Arnie. <laughs> and <laughs> the thing about heart surgeons is that like they just live in this grounded reality where it's like they literally just have to leave everything at the door when they go to work because people's lives are literally in their hands. And so I think anyone, when they get to know someone who has a job like that, it's natural to look up to them and to wonder how in the world do you face that every single day? Especially Don, who is essentially his own type of creature as an advertiser. Um, hmm. So I think, you know, part of it is like, it's just natural to feel that way towards a person if you get to know them. And then there's Don's old, like his his own feelings of inadequacy and worth worthlessness that he maybe projects onto Arnie and how does he deal with that by sleeping with his wife so it's a really difficult and rich season to watch we we uh we probably haven't referenced enough what what Arnie said to Don at the end of I guess that that double episode uh when he's going out to <clears throat> in a skis to to go save a patient is uh you know, people will do anything to relieve their anxiety. And you could view the entire season through that probably as much as anything as well. Right. So and Don is there. going to such lengths to run from his past. And it is like wreaking havoc on everyone around him. So it's a really interesting. Yeah. You'll do anything to relieve your anxiety, including telling the world the truth. Yeah. Wow. Megan, I think you're next. So yeah, that was great. And as far as the con, uh, as far as sort of the relationship between truth and consequences, and how Don used that, I was thinking about uh, when he was having the confrontation with Lane after all that truth was coming out about what he did with the check, and <clears throat> Don said to him that the feeling Lane was having was called relief, and I think that. For Don, he always gets to a point where the lies and the deception and it has been so, so built up in him that he reaches sort of a point of explosion and has, you know, then things have gotten better. That's what he said to Lane, too. The next thing will be better. It always is. So I think in his mind, he's I mean, he's always in survival mode anyway. And I think that's how he relates to Bob. That's a different whole thing. But um as far as as far as Dan goes, I think he it's building and building within him the feeling of sort of self-loathing and confusion and just a constant need to hide most of what's going on in his life, most of what he's really thinking. And so finally, if he gets to a point where he's just about to explode, he has to say it like in the Hershey meeting, he's trying to get to that next best thing, to that next, okay, this phase of deception and whatever's going on has to stop then I'll feel relief and that's the only sort of route he feels he can take because he's taken it before and it's worked to a certain extent there's a big explosion but then things changed and he just needed so badly for things to change and so he was willing to you know chew off his own foot in order for that to happen so that, that's kind of how I saw that that's I think uh, an articulation of part of what I meant in the, in the episode about he's, he wants that next bottom yep. he, because, exactly. because, because that would, then the relief will come because then he can just surrender. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else he can do because everything's broken. Yeah. Right. Well, Don's lied his way and even failed his way upward the trajectory of the entire series since the day we met him. Right. He's, He's lying. He's almost getting caught. He gets promoted. He almost gets caught. He becomes partner. He, you know, everything is kind of falling upward. It's that uh, 
it's that phrase. And I I always think of that song in crazy heart that the character sings funny, how fallen feels like flying for a little while. And that's the, that, that always ties me back to Mad Men somehow. It's a great movie, by the way. So I love the movie, but uh, that, that song is uh, Tess Harper. Pardon? Tess Harper. Tess was Harper. She the, was she the act? Maggie anyway, Gyllenhaal was the female the lead. Movie am I, it, thinking of? I don't know. I All don't right. Know. Let's just enough of that. <laughs> well, Jeff, Jeff Bridges is the lead and fan, fantastic movie. He's the one he won the Oscar for. Bruce, what's up? Uh, I think somewhat related to that. I almost have, a, I, it's kind of a question. Then if you think about that with Don uh, reaching bottom, then is the Hershey scene in, in care of, is that a self-sabotage? Is that a decision? Is he deciding, in the, is he truly deciding in that moment to talk as a child to the Hershey people? Is that really what's Great going question. on in his head? Great question. Is he making an ad in his head? Does he actually, because part of me believes he can never turn, he's always an ad exec, always pitching, but we know he can pitch badly as we see in the, in, in the doorway and come up with a crazy concept that it's more reflective of his mental state. Um, the, uh, is he, does he actually in somewhere in his mind think it's an ad or is it total self-sabotage because uh, he wants to save another, you know, another child, which would, well, which would be um, uh, Ted Shaw, you know, when Ted Shaw says my father was an alcoholic, he can't ignore that piece of information going in mm. and and he sees him he looks at ted so that's a clear signal and goes into the hershey thing so is it self-sabotage or not well Ver- veronica puts in the in the chat here about how it's sacrilegious for you know he says it's sacrilegious for you before up to me you wouldn't advertise at all right that's that's the line that he uses so i think there's some definite <clears throat> points to that there yeah, please. I want I want everyone to to weigh in. I think that's a phenomenal question to discuss. I, yeah, I love that question. Um, and I actually think that in everything that Don does, um, I would tweak. I I know that this is um, maybe syntactical to what you're asking or what you're suggesting, Bruce. But I think that in everything that Don does, he is a storyteller. And we get to maybe the first story he told himself, which is that he sat and looked at that Hershey bar and said, I'm a normal kid for like a minute. Mm. Um, And it was like, and maybe not the first story because we could argue the hobo code. Well, I I feel like that takes some time for that to actually um, settle into him, maybe as he becomes an adult and we're not privy to that yet in flashback um, in his young adulthood. But I, I think we could maybe make the argument that he's a storyteller. Um, And the reason why I say that as a distinction is because part of what he's looking for this season, as, as has been mentioned here, is that like deeper meaning, that sort of like tether. And that is also then the window, the, the not window dressing, the, excuse me, the setup for season seven, which is to still be looking for this deeper sense of purpose or this deeper sense of who am I? I do ultimately think the series says of Don and also kind of 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 this nation and of you know a generation that there's an element or there's a need to tell a story there is a need to craft an image in order I mean it's like the process of consciousness but it's also you know yes the creation of an ad that's great can I get a couple more on this and then wrap up but this is a a wonderful question to explore I think, as we're here. Another comment about the Hershey ad, absent the whorehouse thing, it's not a bad ad. Uh, you heard how, I mean, I, the, the the ritual part, the uh, with great ceremony, there's something <laughs> like by your, like a kid by themselves, mm-hmm. creating their own world. Yeah, it's a great ad. Can I say one thing to that really quickly? It, it, it came up the the parallel between that and Peggy's earlier ad. I don't remember what season with the popsicles and the, the currency of affection. So I don't know if that was and just, she, she, even yeah, it's, where it's Christ-like they say. Yeah. 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 And there's the halo around the mother's head. I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, awesome. I wanted to say as in response to the Hershey's comment, and I think this kind of just draws everything, not everything, but like a little bit together, like of Don, Don trying to like integrate himself and trying to kind of find his place in this religious space. Um, in him being like saying like if it were up to me you would never advertise like there's some level of like sacrilegious connotations in that but also like it's hard for him to lie about Hershey's because that's one product that he actually was able to have as a consumer um and like you said like with great ceremony and like ceremony that's obviously religious like that's obviously something that was impactful to him. So if we're talking and looking at this through this lens of consumerism as a religion, and he, in this case, would be an advertising, some, I'm not religious at all, so I apologize, arbiter of the religion or somehow working within the church or whatever it is. And like, this is him unable to lie and unable to let the lie stand about him telling this fake story about his childhood because it's so important to him because that was probably one of the only times he ever consumed anything in this world that is now so important to him as an adult and is how he makes his living and how he defines himself. So something about like Dick Whitman coming through here and this being Whitman in the advertising world telling his truth and then being promptly roundly rejected and told you're not allowed to be here. And then as we will not, we'll see further down the road, obviously like what that means to Don, Dick, Don, Dick, like how does that do those two things come together for him? Because you start like, I don't know, it just kind of, to me, it's this line of integration of him trying to integrate himself as to one whole person. And then the Hershey's, his experience with consumerism, translating directly to something he cannot lie about like i cannot he cannot lie about that experience well, veronica it, i think you're you're circling something that i think it was bruce said earlier about it being his confessional the office is was i correct that that was bruce that I, I don't want to misappropriate that um, um not me but i uh, know i heard yeah but uh, i do who said I, I apologize whoever said it's it where he does that was an aaron. oh aaron, aaron i'm sorry yeah aaron you you, you called it his confessional my, and my feeling on that is is that's that's so almost literally accurate because Don, to me watching that is again especially as a as a rewatch now <clears throat> with all the different contexts um, to me Don in the Hershey's pitch it was not a pitch at all it was not Don pitching it, it was it, it was as first of all it was as close to Dick Whitman being in the room than anyone else number one that we've seen and number two. To the extent it was Don as as an adult and and in that persona, um, there was there was nothing commercial about that discussion, especially once he kind of descended into that more Dante descended into that um, that voice of telling the story. There was he, he wasn't trying to win business for his company. He wasn't trying to tell Hershey about their connection to consumers or what they ought to do. In fact, he explicitly said, if it were up to me, you wouldn't do this at all. So it wasn't Dick, excuse me, it wasn't Don. It wasn't a pitch. It wasn't for business. It was the most unadorned, raw version of who that person is underneath the suit that we've seen. And that's that's to me why the, I'm sure why the season led up to that. But it's the confessional. It was had nothing to do with business. Maybe it was the actual jumping off point. Like you just said, like the unburdening. And it's like, it's what he's trying to be. He's been trying to get at since Hawaii. This idea of the sense of like shedding everything um, and just jumping in and them being like, it sounds like death. And it's like, it is in a way, (laughs) the death of something for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And not even knowing that he needed to do that early on. I think when you talk about the jumping off point, Hawaii, it's like, no, the jumping off point since, since smoke gets in your eyes, but really he didn't know he needed to do it. Hawaii might've been when he started to, it started to sink in like, wait a minute. I, I, I just can't keep doing this. The, the whole season's been about, I can't keep doing this. Right. It's amazing. That's really great. So yeah, I think the confessional piece is, is key there. Well, and it, and it sounds like we're all, we've all watched the entire series in this call. Yes. So, I mean, that's a, that's a real setup for what ultimately comes in season seven and how the whole story concludes. So true. And the religion piece, I think that's so, it just, it, it, it's never not there, right? Even when it's not there, it's there. 
when it becomes more spirituality. <laughs> By the way, everyone, this is Peggy Olson, the cat. <laughs> Hi, Peggy Olson, the cat. <laughs> my cat's name is Jonesy. Oh my gosh. I loved this Jonesy. A real season six fan. <laughs> Mine, I have to say it quiet so she doesn't wake up, but Maggie is from is from a chorus line. She's oh. you if you actually look at Mag uh, hashtag Maggie, do you want to dance? You'll find a lot on her. That I don't. I, I don't want to trump any everybody here, but um, my five month old daughter who's screaming in the background. Her name is Bernie. My eight month old daughter, who uh, eight year old daughter who just wandered in, is Francine. Oh my god! <laughs> you all are way more nuts than us. I love that. That's, That's amazing. Terrific. <laughs> amazing. That is the perfect place to end it. You all Francine. are wonderful. This was my favorite. They joined it. Yay. Thank you, everybody, so, so much. Thank I'm, you so much, guys. Just the best. Really, really the best. And um, we will, we are taking a little season break. Uh, there's going to be some special things we're going to throw out there. Like maybe we will bring in the, uh, you know, we'll, we might encore or some of the interviews, but mm -hmm. we do have a spe that special episode coming too, where we spoke with Gilbert King from uh, Bone Valley, yes. which is amazing. That's so Take the next a... few weeks, we won't be here doing the, this thing, but we'll be some throwing out some other things and then we'll be yeah, back with no shortage of great uh, podcast content during the break. But if you can listen to bone Valley, it's a highly recommend if anyone has already, you may know, but um, take a moment. All right, Thanks, everybody. guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. See you Enjoy. next time.